Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. Victory Over Sin is a program that's funded by the St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. Actually, their advocacy program. And what our mission, what our goal is, if you will, is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be incarcerated and to come out and live on parole. We do that in several different ways. One of the ones we're most proud of, obviously, is this radio show that you're listening to. And we've been doing it for almost three and a half years now. We're proud of this. If you would love to go back to the uh, archives at KBXL, you'll see almost three and a half years worth of shows in which we've interviewed people who have been the director. We've interviewed people just out of prison. We've interviewed people just going right back into prison. uh, And all sorts of agencies who help those of us who have come out of incarceration. We've got state senators. We're real proud of the body of work, if you will. And if you're looking to find out something about the Department of Corrections, this might just be a place to look and find out all things Department of Corrections. So check that out when you will, if you can and you will. Uh, In addition to that, what we do also is we have a PowerPoint presentation that before COVID, we come out to your uh, office, to your church, to your uh, gathering, if you will, and give you a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation on the Department of Corrections and what happens as you are released from incarceration. The great thing about this is that it is led by a person who is a has been a returning is a returning citizen themselves. So it sparks questions and then they're able to answer those questions. We hope to get back to this process uh, relatively soon, but for right now just keep that in the back of your mind as something if you'd like to have in the future. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today on the show and at the end of the show I'm going to let you ha- know how to reach out and get in touch with me, and I'll be happy to follow up on anything we talked about. More importantly, if you're driving around and you say, hey, this guy's talking about something that I'm interested in, please reach out and connect with us, and we'll get you hooked up with whoever you need to get hooked up with. Those of you who have been listening to the show on an ongoing basis know that we now have an office, and we've been there two years. It'll be two years in February. We're excited about that. That is at 8620 West Emerald Suite 140. That's on the corner of Emerald and Benjamin. Uh, From that office, we do several things. We're open 9 to 12. But by and large, what we do is act as the first stop for everybody coming out of incarceration. So if you're out in the desert and you're listening to us now, this should be one of the first places that you go. You're going to come in and meet some nice people, one of the ladies you're going to meet here in a minute. Uh, And we'll help you kind of with that first day and things that you can do in the first day to help you support that transition. In addition, if you're out in the desert and you need a ride from incarceration, families in the other part of the state, or there absolutely is nobody there to pick you up, again, go to your case manager and say, I'd like for a ride to be arranged and email Mark and they can do that. And then that way I'll come out we'll pick you up. One of our volunteers will pick you up and then we'll put you through what is almost a 72 hour process of support for you as you come out 
and transition into uh, the community again. One thing that's coming up in the future and that you can mark your calendars on is that on November the 12th, uh, Mr. Sheffaloo uh, at uh, the Westside Drive-In, he traditionally every once in a while does fundraisers for a reentry conference from St. Vincent to Paul, and he is doing another one of those on the 12th from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. 15% of all the proceeds that uh, are purchased at both locations, the one in uh, Park Center and the one on State Street, will go to the reentry conference. And you can say, Mark, now what's a reentry conference? A reentry conference within St. Vincent de Paul's lexicon, if you will, is an entity, a group of volunteers who reach out and support people who are in need. And the reentry conference specifically reaches out and helps people who are less than 90 days out of incarceration. So you're listening to me again. You're just out. You can call the St. Vincent de Paul hotline, and they will uh, send a volunteer, a Vincentian, out to talk to you. They'll talk about your rent. They'll talk about some transportation issues, perhaps a bicycle, some clothing, and those types of things. All that information is available on the site at the site of St. Vincent de Paul and in our office. So that's something to check out. We will be right back with my guest in one second. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. Okay, we're, I'm excited that we have uh, a person who's actually been in the office just four months, but she's kind of taken the office by storm. And uh, I'm going to hedge because she has an unusual last name. And I'm going to say Debbie, and I'm gonna, Debbie, you're going to say your last name. <laughs> Gary Kachavarria. There you go. See, I could never have said that. And I could have rehearsed it and done all kinds of stuff. Um, and she is actually what we call a reentry specialist in the office at St. Vincent de Paul uh, Reentry Services over there on Emerald and Benjamin, as I was talking about in the opening. Welcome. Thank you. So it's got to start with a name. It's an interesting name, and uh, there's a story behind it. Give me a little bit of background on that. Yes. I am very proud to say that I am Basque, or as my grandfather would call us, uh, we're just a bunch of Baskards. <laughs> and so that's one of the reasons, too, that I'm back in the Boise area is because of that population. Because of that population. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about where you're from and education and all that kind of stuff. Well, I was born in Twin Falls, and I spent my summers on my grandparents' ranch in the large populace of Castle Ford, Idaho. Oh, huge metropolitan area. If you blink, when you go through the town, you miss it. <laughs> and so, but I'm from Arizona, and that's where I was raised. Is that where you were born? That, I was born in Twin, uh -huh. but it was only because my mother was here for the summer. And then we would spend the school year back in Arizona. What part of Arizona? Scottsdale. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous yeah. area down there. Oh, it's it, growing like crazy. 
growing like crazy, kind of like Boise, and it's in some ways beginning to lose its charm because of that. Yeah, it used to be this quaint kind of uh, interesting kind of strip in the desert, and now it's in mass, in Phoenix and everything else. And exactly. All of these uh, suburbs are grown together now. Yeah, it used to be it used to be so nice. I guess I'm showing my age. But <laughs> so you were in Scott you're in Scottsdale mm-hmm. during the summer front. So when did you actually come up here for good? Um I had when my mother passed, I'm was I had very little family surrounding me, so I moved to Idaho again for that Basque population to have some familiarity. Mm-hmm. And so about in 19, or I'm sorry, in 2010, I moved to the Ketchum area. Yeah, I was going to say it's Blaine County, as I recall. So yeah. what was in, what was there? Was it because of family there? I had a cousin there, mm-hmm. um, and it was a small town, and I just had, was so emotionally devastated from the loss that I wasn't totally ready to re-enter the world. Yeah, well, I think Ketchum is one of those places that uh, it's beautiful and it's, it is a cohesive network. I think uh, they welcome people in and um, certainly nice area to walk around, affluent area to be around. So that Yes. Would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and obviously if you're in my employ or working in our office, most of the people have kind of run afoul of some kind of a legal system at some time. So I think 109552, how did that happen and what was that in your eyes? Well, in retrospect, I now see that it was a way to get, it was God's way of saying, you need me, wake up. Um, After my mom's loss, as I mentioned, I had pretty much stepped away from the world and had no reason to get up in the mornings. And I had stepped away. I was a nurse practitioner for 35 years and a surgical first assistant. And I was had stepped away from that medical world. And when I finally was ready to rejoin, I, st- um, I joined a very small mom-and-pop practice in the Ketchum area. I had applied for my licensure. And while I was waiting for the licensure to go through, it I was seeing patients for the doctor under her license. And I made the mistake of um, treating and seeing a patient that had been discharged from the practice, and the doctor feared for that that exposed her to liability, so I was charged with practicing medicine without a license. That's really that's good. That's got when you're incarcerated, that has to be a pretty cool term to have. I wish I'd had that incarcerated. You I mean you're kind of an upper status kind of that's it like, was everybody was like I people actually get charged for that? <laughs> that's right. There's it's not just substance in a bag or it's not just something there. Yeah, that's kind of it's gotta be a I guess there are prestigious sorts of crimes in the system, but that was must have made you stand out a little bit there. I think so. That in my age. <laughs> so whereabouts did you travel within the system to uh, fulfill that requirement for the state? Well, I was on the extended tour. So I started in County po- to county and stuff like that? Well, no, I actually, I started in uh, Blaine County initially, and I was there for about three months because of the system overpopulation. I, they shipped me to Pocatello for three weeks to do my RDU. Then they shipped me back to South Boise because I was so low risk. And then they eventually converted South Boise to a writer's unit. Mm-hmm. So I was one of the first 28 women to be sent to Sicky North Door. Oh, okay. And I spent about a year there. And then I became eligible for East Boise. So I hit East Boise. I think anywhere they kept women, I hit up. Oh, that's right. You were you. You made the whole tour. That's yes. Not, that's not many people can say that. Yes. 
that's congratulations. So for me, Spoise, I've got, and then uh, we crossed paths um, because of, uh, I think in a couple different ways, uh, but I know that you, we'd gone to the same church kind of too. Right? Exactly. Because uh, we know some very cool people that go to East Boise, um, uh, Gary and Kathy um, Williams. Williams actually go out to that thing and, and uh, their son pastors a church called Vertical. And so that's, I think, where we first ran across each other. Exactly, right? yes. Yeah. He's a buddy. He's a friend of ours. He's been on the show a couple of times. So tell me about East Boise and then going to church from there. Is that what that was like, perhaps? Well, in this course, I had been a, had the opportunity through many great people visiting um, the incarcerated for Bible studies and the like to realize that I had been a vi- I hate to say victim, but I was the organized religion. Um, religion. I was raised, raised traditionally Catholic mm-hmm. and felt unfulfilled in that. So I kept coming to and from the Lord. And during the prison system, I realized how important that had become. And that was God's way of saying, waking, waking me up and saying, there is a reason to continue living and to seek out. So um, Matt's parents, Gary and Kathy, um, we were allowed furloughs to go to church. And so I began attending Vertical, fell in love with what I found there. Yeah. And so during my time in East Boise, I attended church, and so I'd been a member of Vertical and then continued when I was released. Yeah, I think Gary and, uh, again, Gary and Kathy do a great job. That would have been perfect kind of transition. I know that those of you who don't know, Vertical Church has a service on Saturday night at 5.30, and they have one at 10 o'clock. And the 5.30 service has just always been a special thing for me. Uh, I was there, I think, when they when he started it the first night, and I've been going uh, ever since. It's a smaller congregation. Uh, Matt Williams is a, a dynamic kind of interpreter of the Bible in terms of how he explains. He goes through it uh, uh, line by line, book by book. And he does it in a real low-key kind of manner, and it's even more low-key on Saturday night because it's a smaller group, and it's just it, it becomes a nice family, if you will, and Kathy and Gary are usually there as well as – so that's interesting. That's good. That's good. And then from there, we found each other, and then you came to uh, under the auspices of um, Easter Seals, which we appreciate and like. Uh, you came to work in our office, and you've been with us about four months now. So to explain a little bit about what you do in my office or office. It, you know, I as I can't practice medicine right now, um, I'm so used to helping people. And first and foremost, this fulfills my need and I'm able to utilize my ability to share my experience. So when someone is first coming out, I'm able to show them about the resources that I have identified so they don't have to reinvent the wheel as much. I get them set up and show them how they can get back on their feet through clothing, through help with transportation, help with computer access and resume building, uh, job seeking, that kind of thing. I tell them what they're going to need initially to begin that long road back. And I, I will tell you that she's only been there four months. She's really taken to the role it's uh, interesting to watch how some people just jump into it. She's not one of the, these people that I have to kind of say, well, I need you to do this, I need you to do this. She's involved, and she's telling me what she needs to do to make it work. And that's the kind of atmosphere we try to provide, especially in the Easter Seal kinds of situations, because it really is a training program. To their credit, it's a great training program. So we just provide kind of the fertile ground for you to grow and and you're doing it very, very well, and I appreciate you. And um, 
I already think about the time when you do go on and do something else. It's not going to be that easy. But <laughs> it, it's it, whatever time tenure we do have with you, it's been helpful, and I want you to know that. Thank you. I've loved every minute of it. It's just such a wonderful office and a great group of people. Yeah, it is. We try to. It's it's interesting. You try to blend the right amount of people. I, I always thought when I got out of prison, there'd be three or four people that uh, I knew would come in, and we just we'd start this thing, and we'd all hold hands and sing Kumbaya and we'd solve the problems of the world. And it just didn't play out like that. And so every once in a while when somebody who's been with me for a long time, especially if I've done time with them in prison, they move on to something else. And there's a first in me, it's almost like a, a betrayal. Oh, you're leaving me. But uh, you're leaving me to go on and usually do something better. And so I'm now more liking the role that, that we really are this ground, that it provides something for people that as they get on their feet, go forward. And then it's really, a, don't you think it's a lot like the people we see on a daily basis, really? It really is. And I know for me, I'm new to the Boise area, so didn't know anyone. So when I got out, I had no idea where to even begin. And I started coming to the office like on a daily basis, working on the resume and taking advantage of the internet and the computers that we have there. And it was my first family that I had in the Boise area. And it's the same for all these other people. Many are new to the Boise area and don't know mm-hmm. who or what or where to go. And the, uh, the hardest thing, I think, for, for myself is that as you watch some people come in and they'll have that attitude like, oh, I've got this, I'm, I'm good, I don't need you guys kind of. Uh, but we always try to give exposure to everybody that this, if this is and you do fall, you stumble or you have some kind of issue, this is still the place to come back and kind of connect with. And I hearken that because all of us have been incarcerated. I hope that makes it more credible. But that's the atmosphere we're trying to develop in the office. That's the place that we want people to come back in and be safe to come in and just have a cup of coffee and stale donut or whatever we have back there all the time. That uh, that's the important, and um, it's not it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Uh, so, and you're seeing how that works exactly. And it is um, funny that people will come in and say, "Oh, well, let's see. I was here January of last year before <laughs> I messed up, right. and now here I am again." It's like I think some of the people. You've picked me up twice before. Now you're picking me up one more time. Oh, let's see. Are we going to get it this time or or not? Uh, the other thing that I think that I would like to talk about a little bit is, too, is that um, not often have we had on somebody on the show, somebody that's – a lot of people have been in transitional living homes, but you're in a female one. And so talk about life in as a female in transitional living a little bit if you can. Because well, I would think that's more difficult than life in a male in I got to tell you, um, it was really opened my eyes. Um, I think that female prisoners are more difficult when we're incarcerated, mm-hmm. and I think the same carries through. Um, there is a lot of, I don't know, I would say a lot of immaturity and a lot of people that really stumble. And Women are not nice people. They can be very petty and very backstabbing, and there's a lot of drama in the houses. So that was another reason that I loved having a place to go between Vertical Church and the Reentry Center. Mm-hmm. It kept me out of the drama in the transitional well, housing. Yeah, without trying to get myself in too much trouble, but women's, their connection is more emotional in all relationships. And so it, I would think it would just really be difficult with a group of women trying to connect emotionally that are, again, making a transition out of 
what I what can only be described as a traumatic experience of going to prison, and then Very. making that tra- making that transition again with the need to be emotionally supported in a group where everybody's always looking for that emotional support. It, it it's a it's a difficult environment to manage, I would think, and it's a difficult environment to make successful. So it is because these again, as you mentioned, the emotions. Th- some of these girls are adulting for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so used to being institutionalized, and so they take the highs and the lows to extremes. extremes. Whereas men just it's uh, all you know bravado and all sorts of stuff, and they just go off and stay out of each other, but we're all emotional. Most of all men are Mm -hmm. emotionally midgets, if you will. And so it makes it really, really difficult. A little bit easier to manage if you're managing a men's house. But I think the women, I always, uh, the people who do it, I have respect for because it's a lot of work. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Uh, The other thing is um, you've also taken to uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Reentry Conference, which you know, I invited you to, but you also are a part of that group, and that's been around for about eight years now. So, you, again, you get to meet, uh, I think, some really neat people in there with all sorts of tenure. You have a heart for people who have been incarcerated. Talk a little bit about that and how that works for you. I think the biggest thing is the stigma that one has when upon leaving prison or jail. And all of these people are so accepting. They greet you as a real human being and not the pond scum that I thought I had become. And so that's one of the nicest things. And it's just, it's a a way to network with people, with the community, to find out what's out there to help me not only grow as a person, but in my ability to help others as well. Yeah, I think you're going to, the more you hang around me, you will find that the success in all of our lives is building these coalitions with people and trying to be around good people, good people in community, and I would say people of faith, uh, that if you're around good people and people of faith, then the chances for you to succeed in life, not just out of incarceration, but just as a human being, is much, much, much greater. And so that's the kind of thing you need to do. And it's taking some of the people that you'll you see in our that'll come into our office that it's like, it's really nice to see you, but I, I would just as soon never see you again, kind of, begin mm-hmm. to change that attitude. When the attitude changes, then come back and we'll help you any way we can. But when you have that attitude, that's not going to work. And you can you can almost see it in somebody's heart as they come in. You definitely can. And, you know, they tell you that you don't when you get out, don't hang out with the people that got you there in the first place. And this is such the a wonderful group of people. And as you mentioned, the faith. Without the faith that I found, I I would not have been as easily able to succeed. Yeah, there's a big quote when you come in our office. There's a quote from 1 Corinthians 15.33, essentially, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's, you are who you hang out with, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. So you are actually uh, on your way to being a medical coding and billing person with Voc Rehab. That's what you're working on in your extra time, correct? Yes, that is correct. Since I won't be able to get a license to practice for another five years, I still wanted to use my strengths um, of the that I'd acquired over the last 35 years, and I'm great at being able to medically code. So um, Voc Rehab was terrific. They set me up with computer, internet, um, the course, the certification, and everything that I need to get out and to succeed. 
Okay, again, you're listening to us out in the desert. You see, this is hope. This is not something. These are things that you need to start planning for. And obviously, she and I would say we'd come to the office. We'll help in absolutely any way, shape, or form that we can do that too. One of the other things you do that I'm impressed, again, just in the tenure that you've been out, you've you've latched on to Michael's program with Idaho Empathy Network. Talk a little bit about that too. It's wonderful. You know, they say you can't complain about who's running the country unless you vote. I can't legitimately complain about the situation of my status as a felon until I'm actually doing something. Um, This network is very active in trying to change social and criminal um, justice and to reform the whole system. And currently now I have the opportunity to be a liaison with the ACLU and to work for banning the box so that you don't have to check that I'm a felon right off the bat and you have a chance to get in front of the employer to be able better to sell yourself. So I'm able to actively participate in changing the circumstances. There's a a coalition of us. All of us are working on that, but that is great uh, that Michael's doing that. So I said, Michael Armand, Michael Armand, Michael Armand. I think I said it three times. So, and he is actually a fellow uh, Just Leadership fellow. He went through it in 2020 and I was in 2018. So uh, he likes that I mentioned his name. So we'll make sure that we mentioned his name on the radio. Anything else you want to talk about as we go forward? No, thank you for this opportunity. No, it's a pleasure. I, I said, I, I, we said it before we started taping. It's um, it is a delight to see someone come in and blossom and to grow and to it it helps it helps me understand it's God's way of saying to me that hey Mark you're on the right track you're doing some good stuff and and you are the fruit of some of that work and I I appreciate that and I appreciate you and uh, I hope you stay as long as I can keep you and uh, it leads to very good things for you you'll be a successful lady. And thank you, Mark, for giving me my life back. Oh, I didn't do it. Uh, God did that. God did. And all I did was just uh, listen to what he told me to do. <laughs> we'll be right back. Through Jesus there's victory. All the chains that were holding me Kept me locked in captivity Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength I need to start again I've got victory over sin Okay, so uh, you can tell Deb's uh, sharp and uh, sometimes you get to... uh, have things happen in your life that really work out for the good. And that happens all the time in my office. I can't tell you enough. If you're even thinking about it, just come by the office, start talking to it. You may not like me or somebody else, but you'll connect with somebody in my office. It's never too late to change this situation for you if you've been incarcerated and you're looking to change your life. Let's do it. We are easy to reach. So if you want to get in touch with us and anything we talked about, www.systemicchangeofid.com is the site. You can actually send us an email, Systemic Change of Idaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram at Systemic Change of ID. Man, you can even call us on the phone if you want to at area code 208-477-1006. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.